All right. Uh, hello, Cyberpunks. I'm your host, Lupus, and welcome to the Cyberpunk Podcast, where we discuss various aspects of cyberpunk media. With me today, we have Barry. Mop, mop. <clears throat> All right, Grim. Hello. Uh, Sammy. Hello. And Wes. I don't know what to say. Yeah, okay, there we go. I was going to say, who's being quiet? Say here, present. <laughs> what do you want? Anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, today we will discuss... <laughs> today we will discuss the 2003 movie, The Matrix Reloaded. A sequel to 1999's The Matrix. Go figure. Uh, this movie featured the return of Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Harry Ann Moss, and Hugo Weaving. Uh, it had a budget of $150 million and earned $742.8 million at the box office, which is roughly about five times uh, its budget. Hmm. It was followed by The Matrix Revolutions, in uh, November of 2003. This one, like I said, came out in May. Mm. And as always, we're going to start off with a plot summary, move on to some trivia, and then finish with our discussion. <clears throat> Without further ado, the plot summary is as follows. As I put up the uh, spoiler tags. Yes. Once I see those up. Spoilers... Wee. While he puts those up, I'm going to go ahead and say, as I always do, if you haven't seen this movie, Talk please go watch that. it, come back to our podcast, give it a listen, share your thoughts in the comments. Mm -hmm. I have the spoiler tag warning in the text entry field, so yes. I just, I still don't see it on my page, but... Uh, it's in the text entry field. I'm just leaving it in there. I mean, you might as well throw it up there. It's the plot summary. No, I, uh, what I do when you scroll up is I say R uh, at the end, and then I hit enter. Okay, never because mind. Because the text entry field is not really used during the podcast, because uh, there are some formats of people listening where they're not going to see it, but... Uh, let it be said, if you if you don't have video, there are spoilers from here on until we say otherwise. Yep, sounds good. Alright. Um, so the summary. Six months after the events of The Matrix, Neo and Trinity are now romantically involved. Morpheus receives a message from Captain Neobe of the Logos calling an emergency meeting of all ships of Zion. Zion has confirmed the last transmission of the Osiris. An army of sentinels is reaching or is tunneling towards Zion and will reach it within 72 hours. No. Commander Locke orders all ships to return to Zion to prepare for the onslaught, but Morpheus asks one ship to remain to contact the Oracle. Um as the Caduceus arrive, or receives a message from the Oracle, one of the 
crew of that ship, Bane, encounters Smith. Yay, Smith. Hmm. He reveals that his previous encounter with Neo severed his connection with the Matrix and has made him a rogue program, then absorbs his avatar. Smith then uses the phone line to leave the Matrix and gain control of Bane's real body. Also, unless In... I'm mistaken, the uh, name of the ship, Caduceus, is, um, I believe that's the medical staff with the twin snakes entwined around it. Uh, it very well might be. I'll let you look that up while I continue reading. In Zion, Morpheus announces the news of the advancing machines to the people. <clears throat> Sorry about that. In the Matrix, Neo meets the Oracle's bodyguard, Seraph, who leads him to her. After realizing that the Oracle is part of the Matrix, Neo asks how he can trust her. She replies that this is his decision. This part will become very important in the next movie. Um, the Oracle instructs Neo to reach the source of the Matrix with the help of the Keymaker. As the Oracle departs, Smith appears, telling Neo that after being defeated, he refused to be deleted and is now a rogue program. He demonstrates his ability to clone himself using other inhabitants of the Matrix, including other agents, as hosts. He then tries to absorb Neo, but fails, prompting a battle between Smith's clones and Neo. Uh, Neo manages to defend himself, but is forced to retreat from the numbers incre or from the uh, increasingly overwhelming numbers. Neo, Morpheus, and Trinity visit the Merovingian, who uh, imprisoning the Keymaker. The Merovingian. Uh, rogue matrix program with his own agenda refuses to let him go his wife persephone is seeking revenge on her husband for his infidelity and leads the trio to the keymaker morpheus trinity and the keymaker flee while neo holds off the merovingian's henchmen morpheus and trinity try to escape the keymaker pursued by several agents and the merovingian's chief henchman the twins after a long chase trinity escapes morpheus defeats the twins and neo saves morpheus and the keymaker from agent johnson uh the crews of the nebuchadnezzar vigilant and logos help the keymaker and neo reach the source the Logos crew must destroy a power plant, and the Vigilant crew must disable a backup power station to prevent a security system from being triggered. Uh, this will allow Neo to open the door to the <clears throat> Haunted by a vision of Trinity's death, Neo asks her to remain on the uh, Nebuchadnezzar. The Logos succeeds, and while the Vigilant is destroyed by a Sentinel... Uh, which ends up killing everyone on board. Trinity replaces the Vigilant crew and completes their mission. However, Agent Thompson corners her in the fight. As Neo, Morpheus, and the Keymaker try to reach the source, the Smiths ambush them. The Keymaker uh, key unlocks the door to the source, but the Smiths 
uh, shoot him dead as he closes the door. Neo meets the Architect, which is a program and also the creator of the Matrix. The Architect explains that Neo is himself a program and an intentional part of the Matrix, which is now in its sixth iteration. Neo is meant to stop the Matrix's fatal system crash that naturally recur uh, recurs due to the concept of human choice within it. As with the five previous ones, as uh, uh, Neo has a choice, either return to the source to reboot the Matrix and pick survivors to repopulate the soon-to-be-destroyed Zion, as his predecessors all did, or cause the Matrix to crash and kill everyone connected to it which would mean humanity's extinction when Zion is destroyed. Neo learns of Trinity's situation and chooses to save her instead of retu returning to the source, to which the ar architect responds dismissively. Trinity is shot, and she and Agent Thompson fall off a building. Before she hits the ground, Neo catches her. He then removes the bullet from her heart and revives her. Uh, they return to the real world, where the Sentinels attack them. The Nebuchadnezzar is destroyed, but the crew escapes. Neo displays a new ability to disable the machines with his thoughts, but falls into a coma from the effort. The crew are picked up by another ship, the Hammer. Its captain, Roland, reveals that uh, reveals the other ships were wiped out by the machines after someone activated an EMP too early, and that they found the only or they found only one survivor, the Smith possessed Bane. So, um, before I get into the fun facts, I would like to state that the whole way that Neo can catch her before. Um, before she hits the ground, is that he's flying like Superman. He's falling faster hey. than terminal velocity. Maybe. <laughs> but, um... Bear in mind that they're, they, they were in a computer program, so the laws of physics be goddamn! <laughs> well, yeah. But, um... Also... I was watching this cinema students this morning for this episode to kind of refresh myself. And um, in the cinema students video, which everyone should go watch, by the way, it's amazing. Um, he's like, wouldn't that be the part where Neo catches Trinity? He's like, wouldn't this be like a 747 catching Trinity? But uh, on to our fun facts here. Uh, fun fact number one. GM donated 300 cars for use in the production of this movie. Mm. All 300 yeah. were wrecked like by the movie. end. <laughs> uh, remember how I said they had a budget of $150 million? Doesn't include the yeah. cars, does it? Well, those were... Donated by GM, so no. But um, the special effects cost of the movie was a hundred million dollars. Oh. 
number three, Trinity uses a genius <clears throat> or a genuine hack to get into the power station's computers. She uses in-map version 2.54 beta 25, which is a real port scanning tool used by both network admins and hackers alike to find a vulnerable SSH server, and then proceeds to uh, exploit it using the SSH1 CRC32 exploit from 2001. As you do. I think so. I think some, some, like, I think uh, something dropped in, kind of. Fun fact, when the movie... Something dropped also. That's in the background. Yes, you know. I can't really do anything about that. Yeah, I know. I can't really go to a different room in the house. Just let them know that uh, the conversation is being picked up for... They know, believe me. Okay. When the Merovingian swears in French, this is fun fact number four, he says, Nom de Dieu de putain de bordel de merde de saloperie de connard d'enculé de ta mère. What? No! <laughs> this is just a string of curses strung together, which means goddamn whore, filthy shit house <laughs> jerk bugger. Yeah, mind. I know, I heard house of shit in the middle. You, <laughs> you should not have said that out loud. We're, we're explicit, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's all uh, pink for 18 and over. I mean, considering um, the origins of <clears throat> Cyberpunk, if you're listening to this podcast, um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're uh, under 18, yeah. yeah, maybe you might get the cheap throw of a few swear words, but you're not really going to understand the uh, rest of the discussion. Yeah. All right, number five. The ship referred to as the Hammer is labeled and actually named Mjolnir. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a difficult name to pronounce, which explains why no one calls it by that. What's Uh, so difficult about Mjolnir? Seriously. Well, because a lot of people would probably... You know, a lot of English-speaking people that don't know how it's pronounced would be Majolna. <laughs> Mjolnir is the name for the famous Hammer of Thor, uh, the Nordic god of thunder, for those of you that didn't know that. <laughs> Hopefully you all did, but you can never discount humanity. I mean, with the Mjolnir lately, come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, number six. This was in this movie was entered into the Guinness Book of World Records as the widest film print run, which means that it had a run of eight thousand five hundred seventeen copies sent out at the same time. Um. So, uh, fun fact number seven, despite the the fact that this film stated um, in the credits it was filmed in Panavision, it was actually filmed in Super 35. Oh. I forget what that is. I feel like I should know. Are you a film student? 
Um, I took two photography classes and and an actual film class where I spliced... uh, I I cut things between the frames and taped them together. So, yeah, I feel like I really know that. But all the Super 35 is a motion... Super 35 is a motion picture film format that uses exactly the same film stock as standard 35mm film, but puts a larger image frame on that stock by using the space normally reserved for the uh, optical analog soundtrack. Oh, okay. And then fun fact number eight is actually two fun facts in one. Mm. Jada Pinkett Smith... (laughs) who had previously auditioned for the role of Trinity, was nine months pregnant when she received a call from her agent informing her that she was being considered for a part in the films. Naomi! Yep. And so we're going to move on to our discussion now. And for Wes, since I believe this is your first full podcast you're sitting in on, mm-hmm. um, what we do during our discussion is... We gave our thoughts about, one, the topic in general, and two, how we think it's influenced cyberpunk as a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, Barry, I'm going to start with you. Um, how it influenced cyberpunk. Uh, I mean, the whole, um, you know, uh, having a few um, special abilities, and then there's the whole... Uh, post-apocalyptic undertone in the Matrix where, I mean, what the real world is supposed to be in that setting is the post-apocalyptic part, which that's just the undertone. That's not always obvious as you watch the movie. But um, there's a couple other things that always really got my nerves about, too. Like, what the heck are the twins? I mean, what's their ability (laughs) they can... uh, Astral project or something like that? Since I didn't cover it, they can more or less turn into vapor and pass through solid objects. And how is that anything more than a couple of Mary Sue twins just randomly shot into the movie? I mean, yeah, they get killed, but uh, before they get killed, they're, like, all-powerful and stuff. I mean, I think they were input that so Neo would actually have a genuine threat to face. Oh my god! Because <laughs> <laughs> really so. wasn't it? <laughs> so Neo is the Marisu, uh, and they're just there to make him wait, look good. Wait, so yeah. they can turn they can turn into vapor? Yeah, and go in and pass through objects, right? They can phase yeah. through. Like when they uh, said, so, okay, we're done, we're out of here, and they turned into intangible, and they went from the car into the backseat of the car behind so them. If yep. they turn yep. into mist or vapor, what's to stop them from going into, into another person and just bursting them open from the inside? I don't know. I'm going to say probably nothing. But, um... Then why not use it? Because <laughs> maybe it doesn't work that way. Maybe they just didn't think of it. I don't know. Yeah, I've, I'm not... Because why is it a the, letter? That's why. <laughs> not either of the Wachowskis, so I really couldn't tell you. <laughs> um, Barry, do you have any further thoughts? Um... 
nah, not really. I mean, uh, it was a fun movie to watch. Mm. It was a nice diversion, but really didn't inspire much deep thought for me. <coughs> All right, Graham? So something we see, uh, especially from AI in, in other cyberpunk media, is the ability to replicate or make copies. Um, I don't think that that's necessarily unique to this uh, thing or that it's what spawned that idea for cyberpunk and other sci-fi. But it's definitely a feature I've noticed pop up in other cyberpunk media, such as, well, Cyberpunk 2077 with Delamain. Yeah. I mean, when you look at uh, Agent Smith, he's really just a bunch of code. So when you look at that in the big picture, at, at the abstract of, let's copy Agent Smith and paste into this NPC. We got another Agent Smith. Repeat. Yeah. Um, Graham, any further thoughts? Nope. Alright. So, give me just a second. Sorry about that, my ear itched. Um, that didn't really inspire deep thought for me either. I was just like, he's digital, <laughs> of course he can copy. <laughs> so, the one thing that I thought just kind of lended a whole load of different... Um, basically led to a whole slew of different caps. I don't really want to say copycats, but that's kind of what they were. Um, the idea of an AI or a computer program taking over an individual, specifically like what Smith does with Bane, where he takes him over and then actually takes over his physical body. We see it in movies like Upgrade, and we've seen it in television shows where, um, heck, we've seen it in Doctor Who with, uh, the Cybermen. Yes, the Cybermen. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like that really lends credence to how those movies impacted the genre. Um, As for my thoughts on the movie it itself, CinemaSins put it best when they said this one fight scene, which was he, when he was talking about it, the um, Smith versus, like, all the Smiths versus Neo. Hmm. He's like, this fight scene looked great and it, or when people saw it in theaters and then never again. <laughs> yeah, the one thing I thought of like halfway through that fight scene was I stopped seeing Agent Smiths and I start seeing just human-shaped cockroaches swarming him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that's about it. I mean, it, it was it's a great movie, but it is kind of dated. I, I wouldn't say it's it was a great movie. I would say <laughs> it's definitely like hit a few records and attempted to be a great movie. I would say um, it's a movie. 
Yep, yep. did not live up to its predecessor. a movie, but I feel like the first Matrix and the third Matrix movie, respectively, did a slightly better job than Reloaded. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, Besides, they just blew too much money on this bloody <laughs> movie. I believe really. it is Sammy's turn to give her thoughts. Uh, but pause. <laughs> I, I mean, as it to how it affected cyberpunk as a genre. You I don't think it really did more than what the first one did. I mean, it in, it introduced um, more of the Sentinels things and a, yeah. a few other bits and pieces, but really it just expanded on what the universe already was from the first Matrix movie, and it didn't expand on it a lot. So, it, 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 yeah, again, it had areas, just not many of them. <laughs> and Wes... Mm. I watched the Matrix movies, but no, that compared to other cyberpunk content, um, in general sci-fi content, um, the Matrix does not like as a whole does not really give me that much of an interest. And I think part of that has to be with the, the whole fact of like it's not it, it did not hit the the right notes on a whole, but also the fact that it, there's like the, the whole case of oh hey, um. Humanity is—it's basically all, almost always, a post-apocalyptic situation. And like, if if I were to say, uh, if I were given the choice to to watch uh, the Matrix franchise or the Judge Dredd franchise, I would choose the Judge Dredd franchise. I 100% agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. And, you know, the, the reason is because, if yeah, it, my, my honest opinion is that the Judge Dredd franchise, as well as The Fifth Element, are both better uh, uh, at being cyberpunk uh, type of shows than The Matrix. This is true. So, uh, Wes, do you have any other thoughts? Either no. on the movie itself or how it relates to the genre? No, sadly. All right. I do have so, another thought to add after everyone else's thoughts. Uh, go ahead. The whole uh, someone's mind being taken over by... Uh, a, a digital personality or something like that. I don't think... Uh, Matrix 2 really added to that at all. I think it's really just uh, the um, um, the perpetuation of a trope that already existed than anything else. That is very possible. 
I just remember the first time I saw it was Matrix 2. But then again, there have been plenty of times where I've come into something late to the game. Yeah. Uh, now, one last thing I want to discuss before we wrap up. Is it just me, or is Neo supposed to be like Jesus? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to mention that kind of aspect of it at all, because if there's one thing we shouldn't discuss on this show, it's, you know, religion. religion. Well, but religion does play a big part in cyberpunk. It does, I won't deny that, but literally tearing at hairs here that Neo mm. is supposed to be Jesus, we shouldn't touch on that. As as much as it might be true, we shouldn't mention it. <laughs> well, taking in consideration that um, Neo is supposed to be the hero, the the, the chosen one. Every uh, story in which there's a character that is quote unquote the chosen one, or the prophesied hero, or yeah. or like any any case where like. Even if you weren't like prophesized or chosen, but you are a person who's actually uh, whose goal is to actually save everyone or as many people as possible, you're technically pulling a Jesus. Yeah. So uh, if, if not Jesus, then I'm going to say he's Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, he can fly. <laughs> But, and know, not to mention, he's also kind of immune to bullets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Techni- well, technically, Jesus was immune to bullets if we take him to confess, take him to the fact that bullets weren't invented yet. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I was more talking about not uh, Superman. <laughs> Actually, when you look at All swings, right. bullets existed. Yeah, but they were rocks. Yeah, I guess. Alright, so Barry, where can we find you? Um, oh, I guess uh, spoilers are done, so let me just put that in. Um, and if you want more of me, look for K-H-Z-H-A-K on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. My links in my pinned tweet on Twitter link to adult content, so if you don't want that, don't click those links. Otherwise, I link to other people's content on the related channels on YouTube, and I host other people's channels on Twitch that do stream. I don't. And also, that is where I've been uploading these podcasts for the past... Uh, since the beginning of, of the week as we record this, uh, by the time this goes up, it will definitely be more than a week since I've started uploading these. Um, but, uh, also, I'm extracting them out to audio only and, uh, finding some places to put that, so if that's where you're hearing these, alright, if, if you want to get these early, check out my, uh, YouTube channel, or, um, any of these other things. That is where to find me, along with uh, over a thousand hours of gameplay in computer games and D&D games and other stuff like that. So, uh, But the other people here can also be found at... Go right ahead. Alright, um, so if you want to know more about the podcast or interact with us directly, 
We have an iHeartRadio. We finally got that set up. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at Jen uh, Cyberpunk Pod. Uh, if you want to know more about our group, it's FML Productions. You can find us on YouTube. Um, we also have a fa- or yeah, Facebook page, Twitter page. Basically, if you can think of it, we probably have it, and we have a coffee. And then we're currently in the works, or we currently have an animation in the works, as well as several D&D sessions that we just have to get to uploaded. Wes, Sammy, Graham, you guys have anything to plug? Nope. No, I've got nothing. Nothing here. All right. Well, then, until next time, we'll see you later, cyberpunks.